Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the OMF Mindfulness in the Workplace podcast series. Each of these sessions explores a different aspect of mindfulness in different workplace contexts, as well as key themes that we believe will be relevant to you. Previous episodes that we've covered have included a topic on research in the workplace with Silke Ruprecht, mindfulness and change leadership with Lottie Roberts. So if you haven't had the chance to listen to them, do go back and do so. I'm Susan Peacock from the Oxford Mindfulness Foundation. And today we are going to be discussing the role of supervision for mindfulness trainers working in workplace settings. I'm utterly delighted to have the opportunity to introduce you to Ed Halliwell. And personally, I'm just really excited at having this chance to, to chat about supervision um, and how it may be relevant. Ed has written a number of books on mindfulness and was the co-author of the Mindful Nation Report, which we know that many of our colleagues taking part in, in the OMF training have referred to and find a wonderful resource. He's a supervisor for the Mindfulness Network and is a trustee of the Mindfulness Initiative. He has vast experience delivering mindfulness training, and this includes both public and private workplace settings. He supervises many people delivering training in a variety of contexts, and some of these include the workplace. So a warm welcome, Ed. Oh, thank you, Susan. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. And hello, everyone. Thank you. So I'm really curious to know a little bit about how you started supervising mindfulness teachers who are delivering training within the workplace context and would love to know a little bit about how this came about. Mm, sure. Well, um, really, it was by accident um, in that... Um, I uh, I began teaching mindfulness um, about 13 years ago, um, and uh, and actually I had no real intention of of working uh, working in workplaces and certainly not supervising teachers in in workplaces. Uh, I was very much focused on um, teaching mindfulness in in a community setting, uh, and and set up to to do that um, here where I'm based in Sussex and. Uh, and also in London. Um, but what I found is that um, uh, over time, um, I started to get inquiries um, from uh, either from participants on courses that I taught, uh, who would ask me to come in and um, offer something to their colleagues, um, you know, whether that was an initial session or a, a course. Um, and, and I would often get um, uh, emails kind of out of the blue. Um, from organizations. Um, and at this time, you know, this was really quite a new mm. thing. Um, so I think organizations were kind of looking for, for people who might be able to do this. Um, and I, I said, yes, on most occasions. Um, so which was which was something of a baptism of fire, because I've never been someone who's been particularly, um, you know, I haven't spent a lot of my time in corporate settings. Um, and I probably it would be fair to say, you know, the kind of person who prefers to work freelance. Um, so, you know, you might even go so far as to say having a bit of an aversion towards corporate settings. So it was a real, um, a real education for me. 
I made lots and lots of mistakes. Um, and through making those mistakes, learned a huge amount um, about, you know, how best to, um, to, to offer mindfulness training in workplaces. Um, and, and, and in many ways, I could have used, you know, supervision at that time that was possibly more workplace specific. Uh, but I think I think many people in the field were were learning on the hoof, um, you know, kind of with the curricula that we already had, like MBSR and MB, MBCT, you know, how that might transfer to to workplace scenarios. So we were kind of, you know, I think we were probably all learning how best that might work. It was a you know new thing. Yeah. Um, I trained to um, supervise about ooh, six years ago now, 2017, I think it was. Um, and there weren't so many um, supervisors available who had uh, taught quite a lot in workplace settings. So I found that that um, supervisees, uh, that, that, that mindfulness teachers who were working in those kinds of contexts um, would often seek me out as a, as a supervisor. So I, I ended up, you know, not only teaching in workplaces, mm. but supervising people who are teaching in workplaces. Um, so it was all rather a kind of, um, you know, an unexpected process. I certainly wouldn't have expected to be, you know, in this in this position, you know, when I started uh, all those years ago. Um, but um, and I still very much enjoy teaching in lots of different contexts. I'm by no means a workplace specialist, um, but um, but it has become a, a part of what um, of what I do. Yes. Oh, lovely. So much in what you've said is so rich. I mean, the the whole idea of we make mistakes and that's how we learn. And I think that's the beauty of supervision is creating that sense of psychological safety. And as you say, you know, those of us who started, you know, sort of pre 10, 12, 15 years ago, there wasn't this. And I think having supervision with somebody who has some experience of the workplace, because I think you touch on a very important point, which is it's often quite tricky to find a supervisor, there are more and more supervisors who have workplace experience, but it's been an area that hasn't had a lot of offering until fairly recently. So well done to you for stepping into that space. Um, and, and clearly there's been a need that you've been able to then walk alongside people in. Um, well, I think what is, what is possible to, um, you know, I, th I think, I think as, a, as a field, um it's been a kind of on the hoof developing of experience about what works and what what isn't so helpful um in workplace settings which in many cases is um in many cases is is very similar to what's what can be offered in community settings um but in certain key ways um you know is is different and i suppose um uh you know looking back um i mean mistakes are really important um to you know as a way of learning but they can also be very painful yeah, yeah, um yeah, you know yeah. and um I, you know i'd like to i'd like to hope that um you know some of the, the the people who are working in workplaces now can can be spared some of that pain of like really discovering oh ouch that that really works well in community settings but it's it's you know it's fallen flat on its face yeah. here um and also then participants in those programs um you know are spared that too um so about you know creating um spaces where mindfulness training can happen effectively and um you know safely and skillfully 
um, you know, I think supervision can be a really important part of sharing that experience and understanding. Um, so yeah, it's it's it. I've certainly really valued all the supervision I've had, um, and um, yeah, hoping that 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 we can offer something that's going to be you know useful in workplaces specifically now too. Yeah, I mean, to me, and I think that was one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast is supervision for me is just the thread that is so vital. And I mean, we, we've got lots of different areas we want to touch on, but something that I am quite aware of is how, as a supervisee, you need different things at different times in your journey. So maybe that brings us on to, we can come back to that, but are there common themes that you find supervisees tend to bring to supervision? And if so, might you be able to share a couple of those? Yeah. And you mean when it comes to workplace supervision? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I would say that the sort of the, the, the most common workplace specific supervision issues are related to um, related to the, the, the fact that. So, you know, when someone comes to a, a, a community course, um, usually somebody will have paid to come. Mm-hmm. which means they're, you know, they've, they've made a considerable investment um, of their time and money. Um, so they you know, probably really want to do it. Um, and um, also you've probably got a, um, a container that you've chosen uh, that's, um, you know, if it's an in-person course, it's a nice room. You've got a nurturing context. Uh, people have probably come out of their workplace um, if they are working. To come and see you in their free time so it does it, it has a kind of a it's perhaps easier to create a sense of of um of a safe welcoming nurturing space now we, we all know that workplaces well they can be like that but quite often they're not mm-hmm. um and so to create a container um where mindfulness can be learned like an optimal learning space is often much more difficult because you've got perhaps you've got people who might be a little bit suspicious actually of what you're offering, even though they're coming along, or maybe they've been encouraged to come along and aren't so sure about whether it's a good idea themselves, or maybe they're nervous about um, about uh, joining a training and and uh, revealing stuff about themselves with colleagues where it might not be they might not feel safe to share because they've got to work with people um you know every day or maybe the culture of the of the workplace is such that actually it's quite antithetical to mindfulness you know maybe there's a culture of speed or maybe there's a culture of um you know really kind of heavy duty competition or uh maybe well-being even though there might be lip service to well-being maybe there are kind of unconscious forces profit um you know certain demands from whether it's management or customers or clients that make it much more difficult to hold a space in which mindfulness training can can happen so i think um those are those are the kind of if you like the um the kind of the, the issues that can come up and they can arise in in various forms um so they can arise as 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 issues around curriculum mm-hmm how long 
can we ask people to practice for, whether that's in a session um, or also away from, from the session, given those kind of contextual issues? Um, is an approach, you know, like MBSR, for example, we often talk about, the, you know, an emergent approach, uh, you know, whatever arises is the curriculum. Um, and people might be used to workplace training where actually that's, that's you know, that just seems totally weird, you know, not to have a, a clear structure. So how much do we need to actually adapt the way that we teach in, in the setting that makes people feel uh, comfortable enough, you know, familiar enough as a kind of workplace training but doesn't yeah. lose the um the beauty of that kind of emergent you know those emergent properties of, of mindfulness training like how can we you know how can we strike that balance um where we're meeting the context but we're not losing the integrity um of of, of the training itself um, so that's you know issues around curriculum and setting and of course these can you know the, how how these are related with it can be really different depending on the context because there are so many different styles of workplace as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd say those are those are some of the most um, most common ones. I guess other ones might be confidentiality. Mm -hmm. um, so um, and and the and the um, you know, people's fears around confidentiality and also sometimes for the teacher as well because sometimes you might get a um, you remember that the, the teacher is usually getting paid by the organisation, so the organisation may have expectations about. Um, what the teacher should or shouldn't be doing um, and what kind of course they should or shouldn't be offering um, and the information that they might be expected to to to, to pass back about how is it going um, so you know the, the the kind of the container setting itself so there's curriculum issues and then there's container setting issues um, where having clarity uh, about what you're offering and how yeah. can really make a difference yeah. to how the course goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how you've just described that because it makes me think of that whole notion of the recruitment of participants really sets you up well for how the training is delivered. And as you've just touched on, we have two clients. We've got the participants, each of them as, as a client, and then we've got the organization as a client. Yeah. And so being quite clear about the, the contracting, right. which you know, I think as trainers, we're very comfortable doing with our participants, but how do we put that in place with the organization? And recognizing that those needs may conflict. Absolutely. You know, those perce yeah. at least perceived needs may yeah. conflict. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a kind of an integrity question for ourselves yeah. as mindfulness yeah. teachers and therefore yeah. also for supervisees. Um, uh, where it's like, you know, where does my responsibility lie? You know, if I'm being paid by one person, but actually that's different from the need of the participant. How do we hold that? So I think a supervisor is so, you know, so helpful when, because, you know, somebody who isn't involved in the situation in the same way oh. can step back and perhaps provide a, a picture and some guidance um, or a different perspective. Um, because I think one of the real benefits of supervision is 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 having our you know perhaps our blind, blind spots um, kind of noticed, uh, or, or at least having a different perspective on a on a situation. Uh, so you know, again, one of the things I've really appreciated in my own supervision, you know, receiving supervision is is actually the things that I wouldn't have um, wouldn't have brought up myself, wouldn't have spotted perhaps. And aligned to that is this whole notion that. You know, sometimes 
people will not race to get a mindfulness um, supervisor who has workplace experience and then they get a client because that's sort of the intention, that's the direction they're wanting to travel. And that's often, I know, when I receive emails, you know, I've got this program that's about to start, could you recommend a supervisor? And if there's one nugget I could really encourage, and I say it again and again to the people taking part in our program, is do that homework up front because it does take a bit of time, you know, to find somebody who you really feel comfortable working with. And it's, you know, it can be a, a, many years of a journey together. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and also, actually, that time of setting up, um, you know, where where you're contracting, you know, with with the client and, uh, you know, kind of setting up the container for the course, deciding what, you know, what you're going to teach. Um, those are some of the most important times um because you know if if those those times are uh, not handled so well then that has a knock-on effect on the whole course um so yeah i very much agree with that that the earlier that you can um you know enlist the support of a supervisor in the process you know preferably before you know before you begin oh. contracting um with a client then then um you know the, the more likely you, you you're going to be able to get the support you know for for uh that, that's going to help further down the line as yeah, well yeah, wonderful Ed um so would you say you have any suggestions for our participants on how to use supervision well well this probably isn't workplace specific mm -hmm. um but I would say um come with openness um, being willing to bring difficulties. Um, so if you can see your supervisor as, a, as your supporter um, and, and uh, you know, somebody who you can say anything to, uh, you know, with regard to your, your teaching, um, but to ask what, you know, what do I most need support with? Yeah. So and, on, and often those are the difficult parts, aren't they? You know, kind of what, what we feel our, our own, um, you know, vulnerabilities are uh, or the things we feel less, less comfortable with or less confident with. Um, bring those. Um, now, of course, it's important to celebrate the successes and, and uh, um, you know, a lot of mindfulness teachers, most mindfulness teachers are very conscientious people. So um you know sometimes we're not so good actually at, at uh you know recognizing what we're doing really well so i mean that is important in supervision as well to you know have a supervisor who can be your cheerleader and and remind you you know that um the likelihood is is you're you're you know you're really um helping in lots of ways um but to be willing to bring the difficulties uh and and um trust that you know even the time in the times in supervision where there's where there's perhaps challenge or discomfort those can often be the biggest learning points. Mm -hmm. Let it and be the, a process of mutual exploration. Yeah, well. totally, totally. Yeah, you know, you know, I do. I mean, I do encourage my supervisees to reflect on what they want to bring uh, to to a session. Um, but you know, sometimes the the greatest learning in supervision. Again, I'm reflecting on my experience as a supervisee. Also, here yeah. um, is the stuff that you don't expect. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, that comes from this mutual exploration together and this, you know, if you like this, this mindful uh, dialogue. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, that could be really, really enjoyable, you know, oh. to, to kind oh. of just, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a sort of a sharing of experience and uh, knowledge uh, and, um, you know, a, a, you know, a mindful process in itself. Lovely. I love that idea of sort of narrowing into specifics, then broadening out to the big picture. And sometimes it's where are you in your journey as a mindfulness trainer? And other times it's a, the specific needs of participants. Um, yeah. yeah, there's you, lots of different issues, aren't there, that can, that can be beneficial in supervision. Yeah. So, you know, being, being open to, you know, exploring different areas. Uh, that's, that's why I'd say bringing, bringing openness and bringing curiosity um, and and letting go of fixed agendas, and then then you know really great learning can take place. Oh, oh. You touched earlier on the importance of those joyful moments. Any particular examples or thoughts you'd like to share on that of when you've experienced joy in supervising? Well, I'd say the greatest joy in, in supervising is hearing how participants are benefiting from mindfulness training. Uh, and and from the work that the teacher is is um, is engaging in them with, uh, because really that's what it's all about for me anyway. Is is um, that the, the training is in service of the participants. Uh, so hearing how people um, are growing, developing resilience, uh, maybe that even you know mindfulness, the mindfulness training is beginning to affect a, a workplace culture, uh, or indeed that that participants might decide to. To, to leave their workplace because they're, they're, you know, they develop the resilience to do that and to actually decide that they want to take a different course. Mm. Um, and I'd say also a joy is, is, is um, seeing teachers developing confidence, refining their skills and, in, and enjoying the work. Mm. Um, so, you know, one of the lovely things about being a, a supervisor is, is that, um, um, you know, you don't have to do the work of teaching, but you can observe its its benefits and its effects um and so that's that's always lovely to see oh, lovely i just get that sense of you know a very containing role that a supervisor has and from that there's a lot of magic that happens um in terms of participants in terms of the organization and i think we all are amazed at, at how much has happened in this you know this 10 12 year period well, and we all need a space, don't we? So, yeah. so you know, like, um, as a teacher, you're giving a lot of yourself um, to your participants. To so say, if you're teaching in the workplace, you know, there's that whole management of the different relationships and all the complexities that that we've we've spoken about. So, it can be so nurturing to have a space where you can come and take the stuff that that um, that is happening for you, oh. both the joys and the difficulties, and to have someone who is there dedicated to you for that space and time to, um, you know, to, to hold that space for you. Um, so, you know, I, I'd say if anyone's not sure about supervision, I'd say actually you, you, you deserve supervision. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that yeah. you're giving. So, um, you know, giving it to yourself is, is a, you know, is an act of self-care and nurturing, as well as being an offering to all the people that you that you teach, because that what happens in that space will um, will extend out to them as well. Mm, lovely, lovely. 
So Ed, a question we ask all our guests, if there was one tip you wanted to share with trainers hoping to work in the workplace context, what might it be? Well, I'd say it's it's something that, that we've already touched on, um, but maybe to, to sort of be a little bit more specific about it, um, it's to uh, to set up the container well, uh, to have a strong introduction and orientation process, which means uh, really understanding your group and where they are coming from, which means, you know, the workplace that they are in, um and and knowing to be able to make you know appropriate adjustments whether that's to language or to length um or to um practice you know practice invitations how much home practice you're going to invite them to do um if you can if you can understand who you're teaching and you can create a container that is appropriate for that um, then you're going to have less dropout. You're going to have more engagement. Everyone is likely to be happier, including you as the teacher and the participants and the client. If there's been a clear setting up of what the you know what's expected and what's possible and what's appropriate and what mindfulness training actually is, and ensure that there's an orientation process where. Uh, people have the opportunity to not come because they've learned that it may not be for them. Yeah. I would say that part of the process, um, you know, and the client has, you know, appropriate expectations of what a mindfulness training is and, and can offer. Um, if you've got that, then um, it really makes such a difference to how oh. the training goes. That's my experience. Oh. And it's what I observe um, oh. with uh, uh, with supervisees as well so that would be my one tip have a have a you know really spend time um reflection time uh preparation time orientation time the work that you do before the course actually begins is is um and can really be key to how, to how it goes mm, lovely i would totally agree it, it's almost like build your foundations well and if they are you know, well established, then you set up for a very different kind of training. That's right, and you can withstand. We can withstand uh, a greater degree of shaking, which is, <laughs> uh, which can certainly happen in workplace yeah. contexts and on mindfulness courses yeah. in workplace contexts. Yeah. yeah, great. Well, it's just been so good to hear your thoughts and so affirming of this importance of supervision, which you know I think is just a real gift, a way we can resource ourselves, but then really embody and deliver trainings that serve our participants well so ed yeah. thank you thank You're you so welcome. much it's been a pleasure to be with you oh, great. wonderful and thank you to all our listeners we hope you've enjoyed today's episode and look forward to connecting again soon